We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tonight in your Bible, please. The book of 1 Corinthians and chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Look down with me, with, if you would, please, to verse number 17. And we're going to read uh, to the end of the chapter. And if you'll follow along with me, I'll read here. The Bible says in verse 17, Now in this that I declare... I'm going to start over for my own sake and for your sake too. Verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. We're going to talk a little bit, and I'm going to try to keep moving. I've got a lot of information here, and I'm going to try not to bore you to sleep with it. Uh, but we're going to try to preach and teach a little bit on the Lord's table. So let's pray, and we'll get going. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do need your help now, uh, certainly to stay on track. And then, Lord, to get this information across in such a way that it, it is informing, but also challenging. Uh, Lord, the ordinance you give, have given us, uh, it, it's, it's very important. And it's important that we practice it in the correct manner and have an understanding of why we do what we do. And so, Father, I pray that you would help me as I deliver this. Uh, just, just, well, I just need your power. I need your guidance in all that we do. Speak to hearts tonight and help us, we pray. We'll thank you for it, for we ask it all in Jesus Christ's name. 
Amen and amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please go right ahead and be seated. There are some things that God teaches about the importance uh, of this ordinance that seem to make some people frustrated or even angry at times, especially in the biblical way that we practice it uh, here. And I want to try to clear some things up with the message tonight. If if I'm able to do so, I'm going to try with the Bible. And I do believe it's important for us to know why we do what we do. And I do believe it's very, very important for us to do it in the right manner. We want to do it the way that God would have us to do it. Amen. Somebody say amen. We just want to do things the way that God would have us to do things. That's, that's our concern here at Riverside Baptist Church. And so I think we need to start with the terminology here. If we want to understand biblical doctrine, we need to look at the terminology of the Scriptures and make sure that we understand the definitions and the application as it's given unto us. And we know that this ordinance is one of two that God gave us. He gave us baptism in the Lord's table. Um, He gave us baptism to keep the church pure from without. And he gave us the Lord's table to keep the church pure within. We know that. two Two very important ordinances. God only gave us two ordinances, so they must be pretty important. So it is a it is a memorial that was introduced by the Lord himself. And, and we know that everything he did while he was here on earth, he did with purpose. So let's think about a few words. Let's start with the word ordinance. I looked these up in uh, Noel Webster's 1828 dictionary. And the definition of ordinance is this, a rule established by authority, a permanent rule of action. An ordinance may be a law or statute of sovereign power, in this sense, it's often used in scriptures and it gives reference Exodus 15, 25, Numbers 10, 8, Ezra 3, 10. It may also signify a decree, edict, or rescript. And, and the word has sometimes been applied to the statutes of, of parliament, but these are usually called acts or laws. In the United States, it's never applied to the acts of Congress or of state legislature. Uh, um, a second definition, observance commanded. Third, appointment. Fourth, established rite or ceremony, and it gives reference to Hebrews 9.1 and says, in this sense, baptism and the Lord's table are denominated or designated ordinances. They're designated ordinances. They were given to us by the Lord himself. We know that. Then, and let's think of the word memorial. And I looked that up too, and it says this, that which preserves the memory of something, anything that serves to keep in memory, a monument, I, I like this, The way you put that, a monument is a memorial of a deceased person or of an event. The Lord's Supper is a memorial of the death and sufferings of Christ. And then we have to think of the word supper. That's a good word. I like supper. I, I I am old school to the max. We have breakfast, lunch, and supper. Don't try to feed me dinner. Well, you can try to feed me dinner if you want to. But I'm going to call it supper anyway. I'm sorry. Get get back on track. I'm trying. Supper, the definition of that in the same dictionary is just the evening meal. That's the definition of, of that. So with those thoughts in mind, let's look at some scriptures and see how we can make application of all this. Okay. We're back there in, in uh, where we read, starting in verse number 17. It says, now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, recognize that, 
I hear that there be divisions among you, and partly I believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come, listen, together therefore into one place. And then he says this. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. It's not to eat the Lord's Supper. So the Apostle Paul is explaining to them that when they come together in the church, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. It's not to eat the Lord's Supper. So the question is then, what was the Lord's Supper? Well, we saw in Noah Webster's Dictionary that the supper is an evening meal. So these people were bringing food to the church to celebrate the Feast of the Passover. I believe this is what was going on. Stay with me here. To celebrate the Feast of the Passover, just like Jesus did with his apostles the night of his betrayal. And I believe it's called the Lord's Supper here because it was unique in some ways. That This is a one-time situation. Now, normally the Passover was to be taken within each family or household as established for the Jews in Exodus chapter number 12. We know that. Jesus told his apostles in Luke chapter 22 and verse, verse 15, and he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover, this Passover with you before I suffer. So according to custom, Jesus would have eaten the Passover with his own family, as most people did, and, and visitors at times. But on this night, he desired to eat it with the disciples, knowing that, uh, well, knowing what he would do after the supper. So I believe that the Lord's Supper that's mentioned right here was actually the Passover meal that Jesus had with the twelve, and that the Corinthian church was doing both the Passover uh, as the Lord did it, followed by communion with the bread and the cup, and that is why Paul rebukes them for that, because it was causing a problem, apparently we're going to read here, it was causing a problem for the poor that were in the church that had very little. Um, verse 21 there. For in eating everyone taketh before his own, uh, taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry, and one is drunken. What? And then he says this, have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and, and, and shame them that have not? Those people that have very little. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? And then he says this, I praise you not. So in other words, the apostle Paul was saying, look, if you want to eat supper, why don't you just go ahead and eat supper at your own house instead of bringing it up to the church to eat it in the presence of the poor brothers of the church? The ones that didn't, that didn't have as much as you do. No, I mean, it's like he says, why, why do you bring food to the church with the purpose of being there to take the bread and cup? No, they're coming, come on, they're coming together to, to uh, practice this ordinance. But before they do, they bring this meal up and they're eating this meal. Uh, and, 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 and the apostle Paul said, why are you bringing all that food in there when really the purpose of you coming up to the church and gathering together was to practice the ordinance, to take, take of the cup and take, uh, uh, take of the bread. Why, why are you doing that? And then he tells them, he goes on to tell them how the ordinance is to be practiced. Uh, you don't take a meal together and then have communion. I mean, even if the Lord did it, that, that's, that's not the way that it's practiced because the ordinance of the New Testament is to partake of the bread and the cup only, only. Now look at verse 33 there. It says, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So Paul ends his teaching here by reminding them that the purpose of this memorial or this ordinance is not to satisfy their hunger. 
It's not about satisfying your hunger, their hunger. They were to come together for the solitary purpose of examining themselves, examining themselves without any distraction. <clears throat> I, I, I love it when we practice the Lord's table. It's a very special, special time, a special service. And, and I love it when we do it. Uh, but part of that, part of the doing of taking communion, pulling up to the Lord's table is that we examine ourselves before that time. That we make sure that we do not eat or drink unworthily. We have to be careful of all of that. Anyway, to continue on the right application of this or terminology if you want to is communion I believe that we're talking about communion I mean we always call it closed communion right sure sure so um, Paul called it that in the previous chapter Uh, not the Lord's Supper which refers to a supper meaning a complete evening meal in 1 Corinthians 10 I've got it here 1 Corinthians 10 verse 16 The Bible says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And communion is a noun there, and we can be certain as to what it is referring. We can be certain about that. I mean, could it be, could it be, possibly, that we started using this title, the Lord's Supper, because the Catholics use communion? Come on, stay with me here. I'm, I'm not, it's not like I'm a, don't you ever use the Lord's Supper around me. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I, I still say it at times. I talk about the Lord's Supper. I'm not saying that. I'm just explaining what the Bible has to say here. It's not like I, I'm, it's not like, okay. Let me just continue on. Maybe it's even a misunderstanding of the text. In some cases, there are those who simply repeat what others say. Isn't that right? They hear something said, and so they repeat it, and they repeat it, and they repeat it, and they repeat it, without really, really considering what it actually references. And we know that it's always right. We know it's always right to stick with with what the Bible teaches and how it teaches. And and I think it can also uh, help in the proper understanding and application of the truth. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, please, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not going to get upset. Somebody says the Lord's Supper. That's not, a, that's not a deal at all. No, 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 no. I still use the, use the term. I'm not going to get upset with anybody that, that does. But, but, but here we're just trying to make the Bible teaching clear. Want to understand what the Bible taught about this very, very important ordinance of, of the Lord's, uh, Lord's Supper. I just said it again. Anyway, so we're going to think about the practice of the Lord's table here. And I know that different churches have different ways of observing it. We've, we've practiced closed communion, as we call it here. We don't, we don't not, not the closed Lord's Supper. I've never said that to anybody. But we practice closed communion here. Um, uh, what's that all about? Well, without getting, any too, mm, uh, without getting too deep into it, really, we know what, mm, come on brain, we know that Judas was dismissed to do his dirty deed before the Lord instituted this ordinance. We know that he was dismissed. And so that means, that, that means it was saved, baptized members of the first church that Jesus started that were left there around the table to enjoy this ordinance. We know as it was instituted, we, we know that. So let me go over, just let me go over the way that we practice it here at uh, Riverside Baptist Church. Let's, 
Let's look at the, uh, let's look at the epistle of the Corinthians since the Apostle Paul dealt with that ordinance in detail in his letter to them. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we're given a very important key to lead us to a more complete comprehension of this new memorial, this new ordinance that he, that he instituted. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7, the Bible says this, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So Paul is dealing here with the new ordinance using Old Testament terminology. And we know that leaven represented sin. Come on, in Old Testament terminology, leaven represented sin. And he's saying, you know, we need to make sure that we get the sin out, the sin taken care of. So... Um, he was making connection between the two memorials that are really pointing to the same one. Excuse me, the one looking to the the one looking to the lamb of the the lamb which was sacrificed for their atonement in the Old Testament under the law, and the other Jesus Christ that was sacrificed for our salvation. And, and I really think that helps us realize to an extent how much that they they have in common. So when is this to be taken? When's it to be taken? Well, if Christ is our Passover, and that's what the Bible says, right? Somebody say amen. We'll make sure you stay awake during this. If Christ is our Passover, then I think that, that we should look at the principles of it. Because a memorial is something that we practice on a yearly basis, isn't it? Like Memorial Day on a yearly basis. The Passover in the Old Testament was observed on a set month, a set day, and a set time, along with many other guidelines that they had. An ordinance is something that, that we, we, that we uh, do in a set order, and, and it is orderly, it seems, to observe the Lord's table and to take communion once a year, but also on a specific day, or to take it on a specific day. Because that's what God has ordained for the Passover. That's what he ordained for the Passover. It was to be taken once a year and always the same day of the same month the Passover was. Leviticus chapter 23 verse 5, in the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. Numbers 9 verse 2, let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. So looking at when Jesus instituted the Lord's table or communion, it's evident that he did it on that very night, the night of the Passover. They got together, they ate their Passover meal. Uh, does it necessarily mean that we have to observe the same night? Look, I, I think there's foundation in the New Testament for it when Paul explains to the Corinthian church how they were supposed to practice it. I think there's a foundation here for it, truly. I, I believe that. Uh, back over in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 23, the Bible says, For I have received, this is the Apostle Paul now, writing to the Corinthian church, and he writes this, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. So I don't think Paul said it lightly, but he told them what he had received from the Lord since he wasn't... Uh, there when it was done. The Apostle Paul wasn't there in the upper room when that was done, but the Apostle Paul 
he had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't he? I mean, very clearly, very, very clearly wrote, wrote most all of our New Testament. Um, the Lord, the, really, the Lord could have ignored the fact, uh, given these facts to Paul, of when it actually happened, if that wasn't important for the ordinance. But we know that God made a strong point about when to practice the Passover. We know that that's very, very strong. And it's evident that it's supposed to be in the evening also. But what about the expression mentioned in the following, in the following verse? Look at verse 25 there. Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 25. The Bible says, After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. For do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, my understanding of this, uh, of as oft as, and as often as, is really just, is that when you eat it, or every time that you do eat it, this is the way that you're supposed to do it. I don't think the Apostle Paul's telling them that they should just do it all the time. I don't, think that's what he's, I don't think that's what he's saying in that. It doesn't seem that it should be something that becomes commonplace. That, that you just do it because you do it. Uh, years ago when we were still, still traveling full time, we were with some friends and, and uh, was, was not preaching one Sunday and was with some, some friends uh, that uh, belonged to a Christian church. And we went there with them that Sunday morning. And... Uh, during the, during the uh, 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 service time that Sunday morning, they were going to practice communion. And uh, they did. And I mean, it was just like, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly at all, but it was just like big party time. Everybody's talking, everybody's getting them a cracker and some juice. All the kids, they're passing it out to all the kids and everybody, and it's no big deal, and we're going to do this, and isn't this great? This is so wonderful. And, and really, it lost all importance to me at that point. And by the way, I did not partake when I was there because I was not a member of that church. I was not a member of that church. And, and it just seemed like, and, and come to find out, they did that every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, they just did it. And it just wasn't a, a big deal whatsoever. Another time, we went to a uh, Christmas Eve service uh, at a uh, Methodist church. And uh, they were going to, you know, we went and sat through the service. They sang and all that. And, and uh, then they were going to have communion. And so uh, they brought out this big loaf of bread, just not unleavened bread, but just a big loaf of big fresh bread. And people began to line up. They not only had this big loaf of bread, but they brought out this big jug of wine, like bottle of, you know, fermented wine. And they had this goblet and priest pops the cork, fills that thing up, and they're lining up. And so the first one goes up there, he's holding bread, reaches and just grabs a hunk of the bread, with, 
dips it in the cup, and then takes it. I thought, if I was ever going to practice it like that, I would have to be first. (laughs) Because there was about two or three hundred people there, and they're lined up. And after that guy dipped his bread, I ain't dipping no bread. (laughs) And first off, we know that leavened bread, it's wrong. Come on, leaven is a sign of sin. We, 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 you don't do it with leavened bread, unleavened bread. And we also know that doing it with wine is wrong because that's fermented. I mean, God doesn't give us stuff that has been rotted. No, no, no. That's a whole nother message too. I'm coming up with a bunch of these next today, haven't I? But, but we don't practice it like that. We, we, don't, we don't do it like that. And everybody was just, you know, just out. It was just a big, and it lost all meaning because there was no time. There was no time to, uh, there was no time to examine yourself. And man, I mean, look, when the Bible says that if we eat it and drink it unworthily, and there's no time to even examine yourself before you take it. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm, they're, they're missing something. And again, I'm not trying to be ugly toward anybody. I'm just saying there's all these different things that go on out there that don't line up with the Bible. And I'm not a very smart guy for sure, but I've got a great book. And it tells us how we're supposed to do things. And to the best of my ability, I just want to lead, certainly Riverside Baptist Church, to do things the way the Bible says that we are supposed to do things. The practice of communion is something very special with a remembrance of Jesus' body being broken for us. I mean, there's something very special about that. It's a remembrance of what Christ has done. Um, But as we come to the Lord's table, there are some things that go along with it as taught in the Scriptures. And, and, since, and since I've been a pastor of the church, and I'm pretty sure after the long, long conversations that Brother Williams and I had before I ever became the pastor of the church, we've observed the Lord's table for once a year at the same time. And I think that's the way that it's intended to be. And now with that said, um, if, if I ever felt as though the Lord would have the church to observe it more than that during the year, I'd do my best to follow His leading. I mean, absolutely so. I don't, I don't believe it'd be a sin to do so. Uh, I remember the night that we joined the church. I believe it was the night that we joined the church that uh, Brother Williams decided that the church would observe the Lord's table at that time. And after we joined, we did. And it was a very special time. I mean, very, very special time. And so I'm not against, I'm not against that if, if we saw fit to do it a different time. It's not like I'm going to think that's wicked or sin or any such thing such as that. I just don't want it to ever become commonplace. Don't want it to become commonplace. And another question rises, should we do it on the 14th day of a certain month? Because, I mean, that's when, it was, that's when the Passover was done. Or, or should we do it a different time? And as far as the example of the Bible, we see it was established on, on the Tuesday preceding the day of the resurrection. And I think it would be complicated to try to follow the Jewish calendar to figure out the 14th day of the given month. Uh, I'm not Jewish. I certainly would have a hard time doing that. Uh, So I choose to follow the Greek calendar and celebrate the, the night in which the Lord was betrayed, leading up to Easter, leading up to Resurrection Sunday, which happened only once. And it was on that Tuesday before his resurrection. It was on the Tuesday before his resurrection. 
So the Passover was on the 14th of each year, which was a different day of the week each year. But for us, our remembrance is for his betrayal and for his death for us. So I believe that this way, it honors the fact that it's always the same day, the same time on each year. Now, as for the calculation of how we get Tuesday evening, we need to consider for a minute that a Jewish day started with the evening and then the morning. We we can look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 5 and 8 and 13, 19, 23, 31, how it says the evening and morning. So our Tuesday evening is really the true first part of Wednesday, which starts around 6 p.m. on Tuesday and ends on Wednesday around 6 p.m. also. So since Jesus rose on the first day of the week before sunrise, which would be between sunset and sunrise of Saturday to Sunday, and that he was three days and three nights in the lower parts of the earth, uh, that makes the night of his betrayal on our Tuesday evening, the first part of Wednesday. And, and the day of his crucifixion being Wednesday and his burial late Wednesday afternoon before 6 p.m. Okay, let me do this very, very quickly then. I just want to do it very, very quickly. Um, this is known as, as Palm Sunday. And then the week went on. And so from Monday at, sun, uh, Monday at sundown to Tuesday at sundown was the preparation for the Passover. And then Tuesday sundown to Wednesday sundown, uh, the uh, disciples were up in the upper room. Uh, they went down to Gethsemane. They had the arrest uh, of the Lord. They had the trial. And then they had the crucifixion. And then from Wednesday sundown to Thursday sundown, Jesus is in the tomb. He's in the tomb. Uh, and then from Thursday sundown to Friday sundown, we know that the women brought spices uh, when the Passover was passed. But uh, uh, Mark chapter 16, verse number 2, refers to the second visit on that Sunday morning. And then Friday sundown to to, I'm, I'm sorry, and then, uh, uh, yes, Friday sundown to Saturday sundown was a regular weekly Sabbath, and everyone rested on that day. And then Saturday sundown uh, to Sunday sundown, we know that Christ arose after the sunset that evening, and the empty tomb was discovered early Sunday morning. And so we can see that Christ was in a tomb three full days and three full nights, just like he said he would be. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why we don't practice Good Friday. Because Christ was not crucified on Friday. Christ was crucified on Wednesday. Now, I'm not going to stand and argue with that. I can show the facts. It's just best that we handle it the Bible way, isn't it? It's just best that we do that. So, so that's why we, that's why we have, that's why we practice the Lord's table on Tuesday evening uh, before, before Easter. So, who's to take it then? Well, only members of that local church. It's just for the members of that particular local church. This is where it gets a little hairy with people. They don't understand it. And mercy sakes alive, the last thing that I want to do, I seem to be gifted at it, but the last thing I want to do is make somebody angry. I don't want to make anybody angry. But I've had a lot of conversations about this uh, with different ones that were thinking about joining Riverside Baptist Church and all. And uh, 
Well, people just got upset about it. But as I see it in the Bible, as I see it laid out in the Bible, the, the ones that were there when, it's, when, when it was instituted were the members of the church that Jesus started when he was here. He's here. Okay. Okay, let me get a little deeper then. <clears throat> well, preacher, you know, we, just, we could practice close communion. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people believe that, you know, if somebody of the same denomination from another church, a, like, a church of like faith, is there at that time, uh, that they should be able to practice communion with the church. Here's the problem with that. I'm not, as a pastor, as a pastor, I'm not responsible for them. And I know nothing about them. They could come in here, say they're a member of this church of like faith, and, and that they're in good standing and all, and not be. I'm not responsible for them. Okay. <clears throat> if we were to vote, this is crazy. I don't even know if I want to say it. If we were to vote on changing the carpet and what color the carpet would be, we won't. We won't vote on that. We won't. But if we were to vote on that, um, I would not let a non-member vote on it. Because they're not giving members, attending members of Riverside Baptist Church. So why should they get to vote? So, no, no, no. If, if it's going to be that way, that something as small as the carpet of the church, why in the world would we allow them to participate in something as important as the Lord's table when they're not a member of the church? Well, you're just an exclu exclusionist. Somebody told me one time, you're just an exclusionist. Okay. I mean, I guess. But really and truly, I'm just trying to do things the way that the Bible says we should do things. I'm not trying to make enemies. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm just trying to do things the way the Bible says that we are supposed to do things. And as the overseer of the church, as the, the bishop, elder, pastor of the church, the overseer of the church, I, I, I mean, I'm responsible and will be responsible to the Lord one day for all the members of Riverside Baptist Church. And so I pray for the members of Riverside Baptist Church. I try to keep an eye on the members of Riverside Baptist Church. I try to help them as much as I can to, to, to have a spiritual walk and all of those things. And if somebody just happens to pop in, I don't know nothing about them, and I'm not responsible for them. And so, because of that, we practiced closed communion. There's a lot of people that just practice open communion. It's like the two churches I told you about. I, if I wanted to, I could have partaken. I, I wasn't going to dip in the cup. I wasn't, but anyway. <laughs> but but we, we didn't. We didn't want to do that because we have been taught from the, very, from the very first Baptist church that we ever belonged to, we've been taught to trust the Bible and to go by what the Bible says. And it's, it's absolutely the right thing to do. So, moving on with that, hopefully. Only the members of that local church, but it goes further than that. And this is something that I am, to an extent, I'm correcting myself on with you. Because I truly believe all members of that given local church should take communion. All members. 
In times past, I've said this before. If you don't want to get right with God, please don't partake. Because I, I, don't, want, I don't want trouble to come on you. I don't want you to be sick or weakly or die. And, and I've said that. And certainly that's my heart. That is my heart. But this ordinance was given to us so that we uh, could get right with God. And could partake of the Lord's table. No, he gave it to the church, right? So it'd be the whole church, right? Okay, I said it earlier and everybody seemed excited about it. But it, it, is, it is an ordinance that was given to us to keep the church pure within. Within. Well, preacher, you know, we're all just sinners saved by grace. Absolutely, I, I say that. You've heard me say that a hundred times more. I understand. But it's one thing to just, you know, to, to go through this life and sin because we are sinners we are sinners saved by grace. But it's another thing to blatantly be living in sin. Isn't it? Come on, just, just practicing outward sins. Things that we know are not right. But we just keep on doing it and keep on doing it. It's just wrong, isn't it? Come on, for anybody, it's just wrong. And the cure of that, of course, is repentance. No, it's turning from that back to God and saying, Lord, I, I just need help not to do this anymore. Don't want to do this anymore. I want to be right with you. It's, 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 it's an issue of the heart. Come on, we talk about the heart a lot around here. It's an issue of the heart. It's, it's making sure the heart's right. Well, what if I fail him again? Well, then you go back and you do it again. But no, no, no. It, it's not the idea that I'm going to go do this and, well, you know, just throw caution to the wind because I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. No, no, no. It's an issue of the heart that we would repent of those things in our life, that we would get right with God, that we would try our very best to do exactly what God would have us to do. Come on, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, doesn't it? So we go to Him. We go to Him. No, no, with a true heart of repentance. Lord, I want to change. I want to be different. I want to be right with You. Our Heavenly Father loves us. No, come on. He forgives us. Somebody say amen there. He forgives us. And, 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 and here we are on the road again. I'm trying to do my best. I'm going to do my best. I, I don't want to fail. Look, every, look every, every day of my life, I don't want to fail God. I don't want to fail God. I, I, I'd have a real hard time saying anybody sitting in this auditorium would just be up there going, I want to fail God. That's what I want to do. I want to fail Him. No, no, no. We don't want to, I don't want to fail God. But we do fail Him, don't we? We fail Him. So do you think since this is such an important ordinance and we have that time to search ourselves before we partake of it, do you think if possibly we got real serious with God I mean wanting to overcome these things in our life that are hard I mean wanting to be right with God do you think that if we came and we talked we we confessed we repented do you think that possibly possibly that the grace of God could really kick in and give us some victory along the way but do you think that's going to happen? Please stay with me. Do you think that's going to happen? If we just say, well, I'm not right with God, so I'm just not going to, I'm not even going to show up. I'm not going to take it. Where's our faith in God then? No, where's our faith in what God can do and what only God can do in making us free from sin? Where's our faith, where's our faith in God then? 
Come on, we're to walk by faith and not by sight, right? Oh, come on, it's in all parts of our life. Well, I tell you, I just don't know. I, I, you know, I'm not sure. And I don't, no, you're not, no, no, you're not supposed to put faith in yourself. You're supposed to put faith in Him. And then so we want to get right with Him. We want to do the, all the things that He said. We, we, we want to walk in the light as He's in the light. We, we want to do the things that He says because as we do that, He can work miraculously in our lives. Can't He? I mean, miraculously. He can do things that only He can do as we follow Him. Walking in the steps of the Savior. Doing what He wants us to do. I think a lot of people miss out on what God could do in their life simply because they won't take the steps of faith that God wants us to take. And and I think this is a real big one. I think we ought to be determined, Lord, I'm going to do my very best to make sure my heart is right with you and that I have confessed my sin up and and that, 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 that I've asked you to help me with all of this and that we should come and we should remember as born again believers of God that we should remember what Christ has done for us because I believe it will help us somewhere down the road to not do those things anymore. When I partake of that cracker, when I partake of that juice, and I remember that his body was broken and his blood flowed down that cross that day, I'm telling you, it does something in here to me. In here. And it's all about our heart. About our love for him. Following him. I believe all members of the church should be there. Truly. 1 Corinthians 11.33 says, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And I think this statement is inclusive and it doesn't leave anyone out of the church. I don't think it leaves anybody out. Because we know that there's evidence in the scripture that shows us that God looks at the church as a whole. Come on, we're a body. We're a body. All the bodies should be there. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So again, this statement is, is in the same context of what we're dealing with here. In another verse where the Lord instituted the ordinance, He made it clear that He wanted all those present to take it. I mean, that was after He dismissed Judas in the upper room. Matthew 26, 27. And He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying... Drink ye all of it. Now, I don't think that statement was, okay, now you need to drink all of this. No, the statement was, drink ye all, all of you. Partake of this. Be a part of this. And if we look at the pattern given in the Passover, all the people had to eat the Passover. Don't come on, we're talking about the pattern. The pattern of the Passover, all the people had to eat the Passover because if they didn't, they were supposed to be removed from the midst. If people did not eat the Passover in Old Testament times, they were just supposed to be removed. Numbers 9.13 says, But the man that is clean and is not in a journey and forbeareth to keep, and forbeareth to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people. Because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season, that man shall bear, that man shall bear his sin. That's what the Bible said back in the Old Testament Passover time. So there was no excuse whatsoever to abstain except when a person was on a journey and, and couldn't be there on time for it. But even then, even then, they were to take it the following month. The other criterion is also very important. They had to be clean. They, they had to look at themselves first. 
And if their judgment was good on it, then they would be found clean also by everyone else that looked at them. And there's, there's, there's a whole lot more to be said on that very issue, but, but let me just briefly comment on, on that. First, we see that everyone must take it, and then we have to beware lest we take it unworthily. We have to beware. Um, I, I, I'm really starting to believe it, that it shouldn't be an option to withdraw ourselves if we're not worthy. Come on, stay with me here. I don't. I, 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 I just don't. I don't know that it should be an option to withdraw ourselves if, if we're not worthy. But we should be looking at it as a way for the Lord to compel us to be clean, to compel us to be worthy, or, or to repent of things and make things right. We can't. We can't clean up on our own, can we? but we can by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. I believe the Lord's table is the time where we can't put it off anymore as a church. We can't put it off anymore. But get right with God if we desire to be in good standing with the Lord. I believe it was given for that purpose, to keep the church pure. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, 27, uh, again, it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Now, I don't know what you take away from that, but I take away, man, we just need to examine ourselves. And then go ahead and partake. It says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, get this, please get this. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So he said, For this cause, for this cause, what cause? That people withdraw themselves and not partake. That people withdraw themselves and not examine themselves. To not make sure that things are right. To not make sure that things are right between them and God. For that cause. And then secondly, we see that in searching ourselves, sin is to be confessed. And things are to be made right with God and with one another. As the Apostle Paul said, we are one bread and that bread must be unleavened at the occasion because of its purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? And the lump of the bread, here's the church. And he goes on, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye, that's a plural pronoun, the whole group, may be a new lump. And that's singular. That's, that means as a whole. May be a new lump as you're unleavened. I know you don't want me calling you lumpy. I understand. I understand. It says this, For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I think that we need to look at this 
as a very, very serious time, no doubt, that, that we have this opportunity to come before God, make things right with God, and then partake of this wonderful, 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 wonderful ordinance, remembering what God has done for, for us. And we know that the leaven in the context is, well, it's sin. 1 Corinthians 5, 2. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. Talk about mourning over our sin in Sunday school this morning, my class. That, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you. For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother or fornicator or covetous, idolater, or railer, or drunkard, or extortioner with such one not to eat. So can we really sit at the table with such a one? That is the reason that we practice closed communion because we don't know who's going to venture in here. We don't know who's going to venture in here. Yeah. For what the church and the pastor can see, we have a responsibility. And Paul rebuked them for not doing it. What we can't see, God's going to judge that himself. For sure. Uh, we could go and see how that Jesus rebukes uh, some different ones that allowed things in the churches that, that he condemns. We're not going to do that. But as a pastor, we are to be watchful. And we are to make hard decisions at times. Not that I ever liked that. <clears throat> so where's it to be taken? Come on, stay with me. We're getting close here. Where is it to be taken? 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen says, For first of all, when you come together in the church, come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty, When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Verse 22, What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So if we want to eat the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper, we have houses for that. Man, have, have a good meal before you come. No, not a problem with that. But if we will take communion, then we come together in the church. We come together in the church. I, I don't personally believe that communion is for takeout. I know there's some that practice that. I'm, and again, I'm not trying to be ugly about anything or anything whatsoever. I just don't believe it's for takeout. I believe it's to be practiced with the church. With the church. The way the, way the Bible shows it here. And uh, since we don't believe in a universal church concept, we believe in a local New Testament church. Yeah, the local church, each church, local New Testament church. Um, I, I believe every, I believe that every believer should have a church they belong to, and that's where they should observe this ordinance. 
believe it's the way to do it. We are one bread. We're one body with those of the same church. We're, we, we are members of one body. We're, we're fitly framed together as a body or, or bread, which, which belongs only to one place. A, a member cannot be in two different bodies at the same time. I can't. This member is here. It ain't going anywhere. It's not a member of another body. It's, it's here. Um, so since it is a body or church responsibility and ordinance, a body has no authority over the members of another body. No authority. And so cannot administrate communion to the member of another church. No authority there. <clears throat> when I put food in my mouth, only the members of my physical body get the nourishment from it. Nobody else gets the nourishment from it. Just my body. I, I, I cannot control the members of anyone else. And God appoints pastors to be accountable for the flock where He has appointed that pastor. Accountable for that flock. Yeah. So, what's the motivation behind it all? What do you mean, preacher? Why do we take communion? Well, first off, it's a commandment of the Lord. But it also fulfills a purpose and a need. The purpose is to remember what my salvation cost. When I partake of that cracker and that juice, which, by the way, we don't, I don't want to, I want to keep going. By the way, we, we, don't, blow, we, we, don't, we don't believe in transubstantiation. I can't say the word. We don't believe that the wafer turns to flesh and the juice turns to blood. We don't believe that. There are some that teach that, believe that. We don't believe that whatsoever. No, no, no. That's, that's not the way it is. But when I take that wafer, that unleavened bread, and drink of that juice of the vine, it's a reminder of how his body was broken for me. And how his bled, blood was shed for me. It's a reminder for us, and it's a testimony for him. 1 Corinthians 11.25, we read, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. So the need is to examine ourselves in order to take the leaven out of our lives in order to become, in order to become a new lump each year. Fresh start. We come together. We examine ourselves. We repent, confess. Make things right with one another if need be. Partake of this great ordinance. And then we move forward as a church. Now let me just say this as your pastor. There's a wonderful spirit of unity in Riverside Baptist Church. 
I'm thankful for it. I don't take any credit for it. <laughs> I'm thankful for it. But I don't want to let anything disturb that. As we continue to move forward. We can have this fresh new start as a church. On a yearly basis as we do this. Again, we know that the Lord has given us baptism to keep the church pure from without. And He has given us communion to keep the church pure from within. He gave us two ordinances. They're both very, very important. We don't take either one of them lightly. We don't take them, we don't take them lightly. We know that our bodies, our bodies as people, we know that our bodies require a, a, a purging to stay alive and to stay healthy. It's only right. The church is the body of Christ and he wants to keep his body clean. He wants to keep his body where it should be. And he washes it with his word. And I believe that he cleans it up to an extent with communion. Coming up the Lord's table. We come together, one mind, one spirit. We're there to remember what he has done for us and we are ready to do what we need to do to get right with God. The Lord told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 12, If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? There's a real spiritual application to taking communion, pulling up to the Lord's table. And we don't want to miss that. It's not just something we do. There's a purpose. So the first thing we do as we take communion, the first thing we do is a good self-examination for, I speak of myself, for my motives, my attitude, my spirit at that particular time in my life. Where am I? Where am I? We always have a service. We sing uh, unto the Lord. A message is given, and then we have a time to examine ourselves. Just to make sure that, that everything's right in here between us and God. And if there's something between you and another church member, to take care of that right then. Good thing to do. Make sure that's done. I mean, to think about, has God tried to bring me to a decision concerning a specific sin in my life? Has He been dealing with me on a specific issue? Uh, what has been my response to that? Have I put Him off? Have I shunned Him? Do, do, do I want to continue to postpone my decision? Am I dragging my feet with something? Or do I purposely ignore what the Lord is expecting of me? Come on, no, no, the Lord did say, be ye holy for I am holy. And so we're supposed to be practicing toward that, right? Yeah, right. But secondly, I need to judge myself. I need to judge myself. Myself. I, I need to make a decision to submit myself to whatever the Lord has brought to my attention. And if I don't make a decision at that point, I'll eat and drink unworthily. And God will judge and chastise me. And then after that point, we distribute the, we distribute the unleavened bread. 
and we tarry for one another till everybody gets one, and then we give thanks, we pray, and we partake of that together. And then we distribute the cup, the fruit of the vine, the grape juice, and we tarry till everyone receives theirs, and we give thanks, we pray, and all drink together. Because verse 24 says, when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had soaked, saying, this cup is the New Testament, my blood, this do ye as often as you drink in remembrance of me. So in the context of Paul's teaching to the Corinthian church about the doctrine of communion, nothing is said, I'm just going to throw this out there because of what did happen at, at, uh, up in the upper room, the Lord's Supper the, at that time. There's nothing said about the washing of feet. First off, that is, that is, that is, that is not an ordinance. It's not an ordinance. And there's nothing said about singing a hymn in what the Apostle Paul said here. Not that I think that it's wrong to do it because we do sing a hymn before we get out of here. We do. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I'm just saying it's not part of the ordinance as such because Paul would have reminded us if it was, if it was. I don't, want to, I don't want to stand up here and act like I have covered everything about, about this doctrine. Because in order to do that, I would have to deal with a lot of Scripture. A lot, a, lot, a lot of Scripture. But I think, really, what we have seen here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that is sufficient information to explain why we practice communion the way that we do it. The way that we do it. I just want people to have a good understanding of what we do. And I know this is unusual, and I know that it's been long already, and I'll try to move a little faster. But I think it's very important that we have a good understanding of something as important as the Lord's table and of taking communion. I I do believe that we do our best to practice this ordinance in a biblical manner here at Riverside Baptist Church the way that it was intended to be. Tuesday night, we'll be given a chance to time to search ourselves before the elements are passed out. But why not start that now? No, no, we, we, don't, we don't want to be like some other religion that tries to get as much in before they do it. There, there are those out there that have these certain certain things they practice that before they come to that place of practicing that, they get as much sin as they can before they practice that. That's not what we want to do. We want to work at making sure we're clean. And why wait till Tuesday night to do that? Is there a sin you need to confess and forsake to be prepared for Tuesday night? I'm, I'm very thankful that we don't do the practice of confession because I don't care anything about hearing everybody's sin. I don't care anything about that. We can go straight to the Lord and talk to Him and make things right with Him. And that's certainly what we should be working toward. Are, are you at odds 
in any extent with someone or anyone in the church? Are there things that you need to make right with others? I think during invitation time tonight, we're just going to use this invitation to do business with God. Because really, to whatever extent it might be in everybody's life, we know where we're not right with God. We know. No, anybody that has a Holy Ghost living in them because they've been saved by the grace of God, they know where they're not right with God. Or they know that they're, if they're at ought with a brother or sister in Christ, they know that. Why, why don't we just take just a little bit of time tonight? I know it was an unusual message, but take a little bit of time tonight to prepare for this coming Tuesday night. Is your heart right with God? If not, let's 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 decide we're gonna let's decide we're gonna spend some time and ask God to help us with all of that. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, the piano's gonna play here in a moment. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, and I ask you to bless this time of invitation. Certainly you know my heart, and I'm not trying to shame anybody to come and do anything. I just want them to do whatever you would have them to do. And whatever sin might be in their life, however, however large or however small or whatever in between, I pray, dear God, that we just spend some time talking to you about that. And maybe there are someone, there are so there is someone that is at odds with someone else. I pray, Lord, that they would take care of that tonight. That they'd go to one another. Uh, that they that they would that they would make sure that the air is clear, Lord. That the unity here at Riverside Baptist Church could remain. Uh, the way that it is, the way it has been. Lord, help us tonight just to be honest with ourselves and honest with you, uh, Father, that people would come just because they know that you would have them come. Bless this short time of invitation we're going to have. We'll thank you for your goodness. For we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But many have already come to the altar. Piano's going to play. Why don't you come? You know you need to come. Why don't you come? Make an altar where you are. I mean, is your heart right with God? Do you, do you know there's something that you need to talk to God about? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? Take time. Still room at the altar? You make an altar where you are? Just take time to talk to God. What needs to be taken care of? If you're at odds with somebody else in the, in the church, why don't you go to them? Hey, why don't we pray together? Get that thing all settled out. You'll be glad you did. Just let God have His way. Whatever He wants. Whatever He'd have you do. You just listen to Him. Respond to Him.